so this morning, uh, really blessed. It's quite an international feel, isn't it? We've had a heavenly tongue, we've had Ukrainian prayer, and we've got some guys from the Netherlands, from Maastricht, with us. So Henk and Une, and I'd encourage you to get to know them. Uh, it's brilliant to have you guys with us. They're part of the New Ground core team. And so it's an honour uh, to have nabbed them whilst they were in the UK to come and preach this morning. Um, little known fact, Henk, uh, watch out when you shake his hand. He broke my finger once when I shook his hand. No word of a lie. He's laughing right now. He doesn't know this. First time I met him in Berlin on a Berlin church plant prayer day. And uh, I'd, I had broken my finger three weeks before. And I'd slightly forgotten. And he shook my hand and it re-broke in that moment. <laughs> And I had to not let on because I was like, oh. So anyway, apart from that, he's a lovely bloke. Welcome up. (laughs) Henk, who loves the Lord and is going to preach this morning. Not quite the uh, introduction I was planning, actually, I don't know. Sorry, mate. I wanted to say I feel so welcome, but I'm not so sure anymore. I never knew this. I'm so sorry. I repent of it. Oh, man. So don't shake my hand, whatever you do. Just smile from a distance. I'm okay with that. No, we're so delighted to be with you. And so enjoy uh, being part of a wonderful family. Uh, And wherever we go, we meet family. And uh, over these days, we've met some of you guys already. We've been here before, but uh, Une and I love to be here. And... uh, we send uh, love and greetings from the church in Maastricht, down south in Holland. Redeemer, we started a couple of years ago. Still called a church plant, but it's growing massively. And uh, we're over 120, 130 right now. And uh, so we're moving next week into another building. So we've been on the move all the time. It's like we are pilgrims, aren't we? You're on a journey all the time. By the way, it's wonderful to have your own building. Love it. Hey, um, this morning I uh, felt uh, to preach from uh, Mark 4, 35 to 5, verse 20, about Jesus and the disciples in the storm, but also Jesus uh, meeting this demon-possessed guy on the other side. Uh, I felt there was something there that um, God drew from me for the church here. Um, Let me say, and, and not warn you, but say with expectation that I felt also to make an appeal. Uh, There might be something in this um, time together that you feel God is saying to you for you to respond to. For I felt God wants to answer some prayers that have been deep within you, some cries of your heart. I loved what Howard shared just now. And to see, even if it has taken a long time, but to open up and God to unburden you, and to be free is, is something that I felt God wants to do today. So let's read um, what it says in uh, Mark 4, verse 35. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat just as he was. And other boats were there with him. And the great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? 
And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged them earnestly to not send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the sea bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened, and they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described it to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. And this passage starts with, on that day. And Jesus just finished the day of teaching at the shore. And now it was time to put it into practice. It's always great to hear preaching and then you go home and think, man, life I know. Monday is coming real life. The thing is this, our lives are tested not while we are meeting with one another. They are tested when we are out there. And when we face circumstances that we find not as easy. And the storm was hitting the boats here. There was not just the boat with Jesus and the disciples. There were other boats that were following them. And suddenly, out of nowhere, there is this storm. And we've over the years seen that Storms in our lives happen suddenly, out of nowhere. You don't expect it, and suddenly it's there. And it says in verse 38, Jesus was fast asleep. And that's a very sharp contrast with the disciples absolutely being terrified. 
And the disciples wake Jesus up and they say, Teacher, don't you care that we drown? They were very drastic. They were very dramatic. But for a fisherman to be afraid in a storm, it must have been quite a storm. And the language here that Jesus uses is he's rebuking them and he's saying to the wind and the storms, be quiet, be still. And this, it is as if he was talking to another human being, isn't it? Another translation, other translation says, shut up, be still, and stay shut up. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love to say that. I love to be able to say that, you know. And I, I love this. But the thing is this, Jesus wakes up. He doesn't need time. He just turns to the storms and the wind. And he says to them, be quiet. There is no effort in it. It's just faith. It's authority. And stilling a storm is nothing for Jesus. And this event is kind of symbolic for all of us. Because winds and storms will come your way. And some of you actually encounter it right now. And like the disciples, we receive teaching that life is out there. Our lives can be tossed and turned. And the storms you might face in life might be so heavy, but for Jesus, none of the storms are a match. Jesus turns to them and says, Faith is missing here. Faith is missing. A confidence in God, what the presence of God can do when we trust him. And before they left, Jesus had said this, let's go to the other side. And if Jesus says, we will get to the other side, you'll get to the other side. Jesus has promised you and me, you'll get to the other side. And if he's promised you, you get to the other side, you'll get to the other side. We were singing and we were praying, he will never let you down. Do we believe it? Not just today, but do we believe it tomorrow? He will never let you down. You might think he is nowhere, but he's in your boat. And the fact that Jesus himself was fast asleep, he took a nap. That should be everything that you need to relax. If he's sleeping, it'll be okay. But it wasn't. Because if faith is missing, we are unable to respond to crisis in our lives with confidence. Our faith, your faith, is tested out there in real life. And in verse 41, there is this very interesting comment that says there, and they were terrified. They were afraid for the storm. They were terrified after the storm. Why? Jesus had calmed the storms, didn't he? It was done. Why were they terrified? 
Was it the aftershock? Was it the adrenaline still flowing? Were the nerves still high about all of this? It seems that they become more fearful after the storm than in the storm. They were scared for the storm, but terrified in seeing the power of God on display. It's awesome to be in the presence of God. It's beautiful and terrifying at the same time. And then they arrive on the other side. It says in the region of the Gerasenes. That wasn't Jewish land, by the way. And the thing that gives it away is the pigs. Jews and pigs don't go together. Don't. Pigs were seen as very unclean animals in the eyes of the Jews. A graveyard was seen as very unclean as well. You would not go into a graveyard. So this man coming out was as unclean as you can get it. He's a demon-possessed man, possessed not just by one, but by many demons, it says, a whole army. He's a madman in the eyes of the people, and no one could hold him in chains. He broke free from anything because that demonic spirit was able to just do that. And it says he was hurting himself. And I found that a very sad picture. It's horrible if our minds turn on ourselves to hurt ourselves. That is never God's plan and purpose for us. But everything that's going on the inside of him made him do that. And you know what it did say to me? That at times we have no idea what people go through in life. We might think we do, but we don't. We can't look behind the smiles. But people might be hurting themselves. And without the help of God, we remain having wrong habits and things that we are enslaved to. We might not understand what people go through when they have a phobia. Having kinds of fears, all kinds of fears that limit them and restrict them and take away their freedom. Even Christians, their freedom can be taken away by these things. And reading the passage, we see how evil is growing stronger on the inside of this man. And it resulted in an outward strength. At the same time, it was weakening himself. He began to hate himself. He began to cut himself. So there's more power, and at the same time, he's more and more enslaved. He's possessed. In other words, he has no personal control over more and more things in his own life. He was losing the sense of self. And that is exactly the opposite of what we would really want in life, isn't it? You don't want to grow more and more unhappy. None of us want to end up hating ourselves. That is satanic. That's evil. That's what the evil one does. It isn't God's heart for you and me. And Jesus is asking for his name and he says, we're a legion, we're an army. You know, this is not just some kind of possession. This is huge. A whole army. There was no way for him 
to ever break free from that again. And the opposite is true. I, you look very serious at the moment. <laughs> the, the, the opposite is true when the Holy Spirit comes in us. True freedom. He releases you and me to make choices. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. The Holy Spirit is there to reveal God to us and Jesus to us. He sets us free. He liberates us. And we see here that demons, they, they don't know exactly what is happening, but, but they know, don't know what Jesus is going to do. And they are, they are terrified now. And the demons recognize the deity of Jesus and his authority. And they say, please don't torture us. Well, they'd been torturing this man for the whole of his life. And now they say, please don't do to us what we did to him. To him. And they begin to negotiate. And it's not only Jesus is able to cast them out. He also controls their destiny. And they end up in a herd of pigs. And we see great joy in a man who's been oppressed. He's totally free and totally changed. But the swine are drowned. The pigs are gone. And to the owners, business is lost. Well, I'm not sure if they wanted them back, demon-possessed, would you? I don't know what a demon-possessed pig looks like. I don't think I want to know. I don't want a pork chop on my plate with some Brussels sprout and thinking, I'm going to eat that one. No, I'm not going to do that. It doesn't really speak to me that kind of way. Having them at the bottom of a lake, I think that's a good idea, don't you? But money was lost. And Jesus was forced to leave. We might be upset with that attitude of them wanting to leave Jesus to leave. But it's certainly worth some thoughts for us. Because there's always a cost involved when Jesus touches your life. There's a cost involved. And many of you know what I'm talking about. It comes with a price. Even the disciples had to come to terms with this. When Jesus called them, they had the biggest catch ever. There was money on the show. There was so much there. They could have had a great couple of years probably from it. But they left everything, the biggest catch ever. The boats, the nets, everything to follow Jesus. And we see here in this story two different responses, two opposites. Those that heard it, who came out to see it for themselves, they pleaded Jesus, please leave us. And the man who got delivered and free said, please Jesus, can I be with you and follow you? And society as a whole is pleading Jesus, please leave us. Leave us alone. We don't want the gospel. Because the gospel and Jesus is disturbing the ways that we do business. He's challenging every one of us what is righteous and what isn't. The world doesn't want to be reminded about the morals of life, about morality. And Jesus is hindering their so-called freedom and setting other values, having different morals. And they plead, Jesus, will you leave us? I was just thinking about that. I thought, just imagine a Christless world. Just imagine there are no prayers 
for the lost ones anymore. No worship to be heard anywhere. No one interceding for people to get released and saved. No one praying for justice anymore. No hope for change ever. But praise God, it's not up to this world to decide if Jesus is going to leave. The world is his. He hasn't given up and he never will give up. He came down in Jesus. He gave his life. And he uses those of us, all of us who are saved and delivered to be his ambassadors. And the thing is this, we do read that they wanted Jesus to leave and he left. Let me say this. Jesus on the other side said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. And he faced the storms and all the trials and everything because he had just eyes and a heart for this one man. All the trouble teaching his disciples, it's worth it. It's worth it for the one. Can you imagine? For the one. The trouble you face and the storms you hit and hit you, it's for someone who is lost out there. Where you go with Jesus through the storms of life, finding him in your boat, you've got a story to tell. There's something you tell. What Jesus did to me, he can do for you. That one person, that one colleague of yours, that one friend on university. We had the joy and the excitement of our grandson who is 15, who a couple of weeks ago shared the gospel with one of his friends while he was staying overnight. And he said, would you like Jesus in your life? And to his joy, his friend said, I love to have Jesus in my life. And he prayed with this other 15-year-old, and he got saved. Just for the one. I cannot say this, that you might be here, and you don't know Jesus. Can I say this? He knows where you are. He's come all the way. Why? Because you matter to him. You are very precious to him. He will come all the way to just keep telling you that you matter to him. And he wants you to be released and saved and find freedom in your life. And after Jesus had delivered him, it says he was no longer running around naked. He was clothed, sitting down, and in his right mind. That's us. That's you and me. He has clothed us with the robes of righteousness. We're no longer naked. We're clothed. We sit down. We have peace in God. Our minds are being renewed. That's us. 
says in verse 15, they came to Jesus and saw the one who'd been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And what does it say? They were terrified. Why? Surely it's better to see a man clothed, sitting down, just being normal, than a man running around the graveyard. If I saw a man running around naked in the graveyard, I'd probably take 20 miles to it, not to meet him. I'd be terrified for that one. But like the fear of the disciples in the boat, they were terrified because they saw the authority and the presence of God. They realized God is at work. The biggest miracle of any miracle is a changed life. We sometimes overemphasize Healings. I'm not saying, I believe in healings, it's important, I believe it demonstrates the power of God. But what demonstrates the power of God most is a changed life. A life that's gone to hell is now going to heaven. A completely changed life, a new creation in Christ, no longer a sinner, but a saint. God is able to do that with anyone. The man here was once naked, torn disfigured just compare Jesus dying on that cross for you and me in order to clothe us he became naked he took the shame his robe was taken from him he was left on his own isolated suffered outside the city gates. He wasn't found among the tombs. He was tortured by Roman soldiers. We see Jesus here as our savior. Where Satan tried to destroy this man, Jesus came to deliver and heal him. This person had almost gone to hell, but now he's back. Can I say that Jesus is real? The gospel is real. There is power in the gospel to change lives, to deliver people, to see them free, to take, like Howard said, this whole luggage of cement away from you, to lift your shoulders, to lift your... The Bible says he's the lifter of our heads. And the thing is this, Jesus entrusted to this man who just got saved, he entrusted the gospel to this man. The man said, Jesus, can I stay with you? And this amazing faith on display, but also the faith that Jesus has in this one man. Just imagine, there's no training course for him. No one. All he has is what Jesus has done in his life. And anti Wright says about this man, This unnamed and beloved man seems to have become the first apostles to the Gentiles. I love that. I don't know about you, but do you remember the first moment? You know, (laughs) I wasn't a very confident guy when I was young. And when Jesus Jesus met me, I was not very confident. Um, I know where I knew I need to, I, I want to share the gospel. But I had these... Feeble, feeble knees, you're just trembling. I thought, oh no, 
I'm not sure. I did it. Told my colleagues about Jesus. Started to talk with other people. Talking with someone else about what Jesus has done in your life. He has entrusted you and me with this wonderful gospel. And Jesus has to him, go home. Tell them, your friends, what Jesus has done for you. He has compassion on you. Home is where people really know you. Give home the best of your love for Jesus. Tell them. Show them. Be a disciple of Jesus to the ones that are close to you. Share his story at home. Share it with your kids, with your wife, with your husband, with your friends, with your colleagues, those that know you. It was my parents, actually, when I became a Christian and I was 18. My parents immediately saw the difference. I became such a nice guy. <laughs> it just tells you something about what I was before that time. I wasn't that kind of a nice guy. I was not, I was not a very, very well-behaved person. They loved what they saw. It's changed. Didn't, they didn't like what I believed. That's a different story. That took much longer. But I became more likable. The people around us will see more of Jesus by the way that we live our lives. Just, can I just say this? You are a blessing of God. And you are a blessing to your neighbors and friends. Let Satan not rob you from that. You are a blessing. Church can say that again. You are a blessing. Wherever you go, you are a blessing. God uses you. They watch you. And this one man, he was a living and vivid proof of the power of the kingdom of God. And he went testifying about what Jesus had done. And the people were amazed. And this is what Jesus can do if only you and I have faith in him. Let me summarize. Just a testimony. Can I say this? I feel that this is for some of you. And you've lost faith almost that Jesus is still in your boat. That he's present and his presence will change things. The storms have hit you and you're not so sure anymore. But I felt for you this morning to pray for you that God will touch you again and you'll find Jesus in your boat right now. That his presence will change everything. And that he's able to rebuke every storm. And for that to become peace in your heart. If you miss that right now, I'd love you to respond a bit later. To come forward and, I'd love, and we'd love to pray for you. I'm not just going to do the prayer only, but we'll pray together. We lay hands on you. And we trust that Jesus will still that storm. Can I say this? You will 
go to the other side. There might be fear in your life. Will I make it? It's not up to you. It's up to Jesus who said that to you. You will go to the other side. If there's doubt in your mind about this, God wants to free you. For others, you might have been struggling with enslavement or addiction or something that bothers you that's almost in the way. Every time you pray, you see, God, please release me from this. You don't find that true freedom. God wants to release you. Anything that's hindering you from stepping forward, believe that God can do that. God wants to do that today. And for you who don't know Jesus, I'd love you to respond to. Jesus has gone all the way to come to that other side. He's not saying to you, you have to come to me. He is coming out to you. But if you believe that, I'd love to invite you to come forward. Uh, we'd love to introduce you to him. For you to no longer run around and feel naked. But he wants to clothe you. And for you to f- know that. So as the band is playing, can we stand if that's possible for us? If not possible, we would stand that fine. But I'd love to welcome the Holy Spirit and God's presence and... Uh, I'd love to invite you to respond to this. So if you feel this is you, something in this has touched your life, and you think, God, that's me. God just wants to do a a miracle in you. just wants to touch you. The Holy Spirit, we invite you, because we believe you're here. You're with us. You're touching us. Holy Spirit, we depend on you. Jesus, we know you've gone all the way for us on that cross you have gone to the other side you came down from heaven to touch this earth you've come to the other side Lord you want us to come to your side to the other side to touch heaven and to see heaven open up Lord I pray for real freedom and breakthrough Lord that people that feel that they are enslaved and they can't go any further Lord there's no shame on that Lord it's you who wants to deliver them and us from this. Others, Lord, have never met you before, Lord, I pray. Even if they struggle right now, for what shall I do, Lord? Will you convince them, convict them? Others, Lord, that feel that, where are you in this, Lord? Are you still in this boat? But the storms have hit you and made you more quiet. God wants to quiet the storm for you to speak up. Lord, we ask you, will you minister to us and bring us that real freedom in Christ for all of us, Lord, to experience. And if you feel that's you, and if you want prayer, I'd love you to get away from your chair and come to the front so we can pray for you. So I invite you, so feel free, Al. We'll give it a bit of time, but you come. Hey, my name's Dan Baptist, and I'm lead pastor here at Jubilee Community Church. 
We really hope that something from this morning's word has blessed you and reached you. And if you'd like to talk about anything you've heard or just be able to talk about maybe faith or get some prayer, then please get in contact. You can email us, give us a call at the centre and one of the team's going to get back to you. We'd love to do this, especially if you're just thinking about what it is to become a Christian. You want to sit down and really talk that through with anyone. We also run regularly on a Sunday some joining the church courses. And if you want to know more about Jubilee Community Church and what it is to belong here, then you can just uh, find out online when the next one of those is going on and you can attend, have a meal, sit down, talk about it. We also have some amazing midweek group life uh, where it's a great opportunity to dig further into your faith. Again, you can find out that on our website too. Anyway, just wanted to say hi and uh, bless you and we'll catch up soon.